Welcome back to the 49ers official You've Got Mail podcast sponsored by Manscaped. Things are heating up at the start of training camp at the 49ers HQ. And I personally couldn't think of a better person to help begin the discussions around training camp with these updated protocols for player safety. And and what's the perspective on the reigning NFC champs other than NFL Network's very own Steve Weish. Steve, first things first, Thank you so much for joining us. It's an absolute pleasure, and uh, I'm looking forward to to getting some of your knowledge on this new, unique, rare. What kind of words can we use to you, to describe this training camp? Yeah, keep on breaking out the dictionary and the source because we're uncharted, we're unprecedented. Um, this is just abs- an, an absolute unknown in so many ways. There's, there's a ton of storylines that we can get into. Uh, so much has changed for all 32 teams. It's not just with the 49ers. But with that, let's let's jump right into it. So the game of football, outside of fans being in the stands, I know some teams, there will be a certain amount that they've just announced it's been reduced, not their full capacity. But aside from that, when you're looking at the game, when you're looking at football on the field, Will it look any different for the fans watching at home? On the field, I mean, you know, no. I mean, you you look at what's going on in the NBA and Major League Baseball, NHL, Major League Soccer, Premier League Soccer. The product looks the same. You're just not seeing anybody in the stands. You're you're seeing fewer people on the sidelines. You're you're seeing players spaced out on the bench. So that's going to kind of be more of the big difference. But on the field, that part, should look um, like it like it normally does. You might not hear crowd noise because, as you mentioned, there's not going to be a lot of people in the stands, if any at all. Um, we actually might hear what's being said on the field, uh, which should make, should make it things very entertaining. Um, but other than that, I think football will end up being football once these guys get used to the overall dynamic kind of sounding and feeling more like a practice in a big stadium. This is going to take mic'd up to a whole nother level with the yeah, amount of audio exactly. you'd be able to hear on the field. But Steve, you you recently took a visit, and I don't know if 49ers fans want to hear this, but you recently took a trip to the Rams facility just to show some of the modifications that the team has had to undergo in a relatively short amount of time. Um, and Hard Knocks debuted where fans were able to see some of those changes firsthand with both the Rams and the Chargers. For example, you know, now opening doors with your foot, you see these these meeting rooms and, and people are distant. You know, they're saying nobody in the first four rows. Was there something on on the trip to the Rams facility that stood out to you when you were there where you were like, wow, things things have certainly changed? Yeah, look, and, and every facility is going to be a little bit different um, because the way they're structured. The one thing about the Rams, they're in a temporary facility. Their business operations are in a different building. So it is a football-only facility. So they're dealing with smaller territory, fewer people. So it's really streamlined compared to most NFL facilities. But the thing that, that, you know, a couple things really stood out. One, touchless entry, right? They set up hand sensors so nobody opens doors, right? They wave their hand. A door will open. Um, Every team's going to have separated lockers like there's distance between lockers we saw pictures of the cowboys locker room there's plexiglass between lockers but other things that that really took me with the rams every player will have his own water bottle 
you know, usually right. you have a, like a trainer running out there and he's, he's, you know, four or five guys are passing this around. None of that. You have these ultraviolet mouthpiece sanitizers that every player after practice has got to put his things in to, to clear things out. But it's, it's the overall restructuring of the facility that really took me, right? So what, what was the media room is now an ancillary locker room with 30 lockers. Um, and with the Rams, because of the gorgeous weather we have here in California, they put up a huge tent. It is like a circus tent. You could probably fit a basketball gym with 3,500 seats and a concession stand in there. And they used the tent for their, their meetings because you've got airflow, you can space people out. And then when the meetings are finished, they can fold up the chairs, move them, and do their walkthrough under this tent. Keeps guys cool, continues the airflow, keeps everything in kind of a certain area. And, and so that's kind of one of the unique things that teams in Southern California are going to have just because of the climate that let's say Buffalo or New Orleans, which is blazing and, and they practice indoors, they're not going to be able to do. So every team's going to be dealing with its own set of circumstances, but there are baseline protocols just in terms of how many people can be in the training room at one time or in a hot tub or something like that. I think there is a big benefit, as you mentioned, for teams like the Rams, teams like the Chargers, the 49ers are going to throw in there too. One, you have that benefit of being in California where you get that nice weather. You know, you're not having this blizzard outside, these snowstorms, things of that nature. And I mean, I can probably count the days on one hand that it rained last season in Santa Clara. But in addition to that, not many teams have their training facility in the same location as their stadium. So how the Rams are able to transform this tent from a meeting space to now a space where they're doing walkthroughs, the 49ers, they have their training facility there at the stadium. If they don't have enough room in their meeting spaces, well, they have a stadium right there that they can host different meetings or, or whatever it might be right there next door at the stadium. Uh, so that was just something that I picked up on that kind of, I feel like is a, a major benefit, especially in this season where, I think a lot of teams are forced to try to be creative in ways to house their their staff and their team. Yeah, absolutely. Look, that we, we saw when the Chiefs returned to practice, Andy Reid said that's exactly what they're going to do because their facility is probably 400 yards from uh, their stadium. But he said because mm-hmm. of the stadium thing, they can have meetings, you know, in the shade in a hallway or, or on, you know, some of the – you know, some of the walkways like near a concession stand, like they can have guys shaded. They've got space. They can have monitors everywhere. They can use the locker rooms right there, the home and away locker rooms. So again, having your facility right by your stadium. Uh, I know in, in Carolina, they've got the same type of setup as the Niners. Um, so again, they've got that flexibility to keep distance and to keep everybody as safe as possible. Um, but as you know, once they get the pads on and things like that, that's where the social distancing really um, goes away. And that's where guys, you know, the testing and, and, and just how they care for themselves pre and post practice really becomes, you know, something important. Yeah, we've seen that uh, the players will continue to be daily tested at least through September. But also, I want to talk a little about uh, 
just the player's safety. We've seen players that chose to opt out for the season for their own health and safety, for the health and safety of their family members. We had the chance to talk to a few guys on the 49ers who said that opting out didn't really cross their mind, like Gard Lake and Tomlinson said recently. Also, you got people like Raheem Mostert who said he had conversations with his wife where she cried because she knew that her husband had to make that sacrifice. And, and she stayed in Ohio while he came out here for work because she's also expecting a young child. So you have these guys that are making these, they're making all of these sacrifices to continue playing on the field. But you also have the guys that say that they've never felt safer given these testing measures and distancing, these walls being knocked out to spread out. While nothing is foolproof, but from your experience, just walking through buildings, your conversations with people around the league, how in depth from your perspective are these protocols to keeping these players safe? I, I mean, they're beyond. I mean, and, and that's why the key to everything is the education of the players because, you know, some of these guys, you know, they don't live, you know, in Santa Clara in the off season, right? So where they are, some of the protocols and some of the conversation around this might not be exactly what it is here in California. So they've got to teach these guys a certain way to do things and, and a certain, you know, things that they have to follow. But in terms of the precautions that these guys are having to take, it is as safe as possible. Things are sanitary the way they just, mm -hmm. they, they clean everything. They've got all of these kind of aerosol things. They go around and just sanitize everything as possible. It's just the main thing that they've got to make second nature with everybody is the human behavior. Don't go cracking towels to snap at somebody. Don't go, you know, hugging up your teammates after they make a good play. It's, it's things like that that have to be taught. But the overall concern, and you're hearing it in every sport, is once guys leave the facility because that's where this behavior of, of being so careful and respectful of others can go away. And, and that's the reason why you're going to hear over and over. It is a constant education um, to teach these guys the importance of being safe away from the facility. Because when they're in the facility, everything, as you said, is about as foolproof as it possibly can be. I feel like when I was watching Hard Knocks and I can't remember who it was, but it was a quick segment where he was just saying, you know, you go to practice and you go home. That's the best way to stay safe. And I feel like a lot of guys, especially when you're in training camp, your focus is on earning that roster spot. You're maybe not going out as much as you normally would. You're not going out to the, the bars or the restaurants. Um, so things will certainly be a little different once season's up and running. But how much do you think that the NFL is kind of keeping their eye on what's going on in the MLB right now. I feel like that's probably one of the closest correlations to the NFL season. Oh, no, it's, it's, it's a microscopic lens on what's going on in the MLB. I mean, the biggest, uh, you know, thing you're hearing from these teams is they're telling players, don't be the Marlins or don't be the Cardinals or don't be the Indians, you know, where guys are sneaking out and going out to dinner or sneaking out. I think some, some players went to a casino. Next thing you know, their whole team, you've got this outbreak. So you better believe that's the example. And then from the league perspective and the medical perspective, <clears throat> look, overall, the number of players who've, who've tested positive in the NFL training camps has already come in below 1% after a week's worth of them reporting and doing kind of this run-up phase. So you see how disciplined everybody has been. So the issue, might, like you said, it might not be training camp because that's when everybody's locked in. They're usually in a, in a hotel, in a bubble atmosphere anyway. Not every team is doing that. Most teams are not. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but 
guys are, are doing what they need to do to remain safe. It's just going to be once you get into the season and they've got six days between games or five days between games, are they going to be able to remain that disciplined over the months and months of an NFL season? Manscaped is the official below-the-waist grooming partner of the 49ers. Try Manscaped and get 20% off and free shipping with code 49ers at manscaped.com. That's code 49ers for 20% off at manscaped.com. Let's jump right into the 49ers mailbag. We got some questions in uh, surrounding this team. And, uh, you know, a lot a lot of questions about the tr- this new modification to what practice and, and training camp and the season's going to look like. But then you've also got a lot of questions about how this team can make it back to the point that they were last year and win it. So I'm just going to dive right in. And, and I want to talk about this shortened and modified offseason. And now you're you're going into training camp and you look at some of the guys. You have your rookies. You have your Brandon Ayuks and you have your Javon Kinlaws. But then – you got to think about these undrafted guys. 49ers signed 10 undrafted rookies heading into this year. So Jerry Graham from Vandenberg Air Force Base in California wants to know what has been the biggest challenge or what will be the biggest challenge for players who might require more on tape as they transition during this COVID-19 phase that we're in. And and I, I automatically go to, um, the undrafted running backs that the 49ers have. Right. Kyle Juszczyk spoke with the media and he was saying it's really unfortunate for guys like this, but he believes that the 49ers locker room have some sound, some experienced veterans that these young guys might be able to rely on that'll kind of help them in this process. Yeah, that is the biggest misnomer um, you're ever going to hear as a veteran trying to groom someone to take his job. At the same time, <laughs> a young player, you know, if a young corner wants to watch Richard Sherman and his study habits and things like that, it's up to that player to understand it and get it because Richard Sherman is going to be a Hall of Famer one day because of the little things that he does, right? And so that's where these, these players on the bubble are going to have to watch. Otherwise, they're just not going to be able to afford to have mistakes because at this point of training camp um, – you know, they, they've got to be locked in because they're going to be getting reps, right? They're not going to be pushing the veteran players right now as training camp goes on to get ready for week one with no preseason games. That's when those veterans are going to start taking more and more of the repetition. So the young players who need to get noticed, they've got to get noticed now. They better be in great shape. They better be able to hit it. And the first time they better put on they put on pads – they better play football because we all, you know, everybody looks good in the shorts and the jerseys. When they put pads on, these guys are going to have a very limited time to make an impression. And we know there are players who are not great in practice who show up on game days. That excuse is not going to work for them this year. So they've got to be as, as effective as possible. You cannot make mental mistakes. That's the biggest thing that gets guys cut. If they're supposed to cover the second receiver out of the backfield and they pick up the first, that blows the whole coverage. That guy's going to be gone, and, and, and that's where, again, this 10-day, two-week run-up where they're doing a lot of walkthroughs and mental work, that's what's going to be huge. So from the neck up, these guys can be prepared when things get physical. Yeah. If I had to rank the questions that I get in our mailbag, it's going to start with, well, number one is 
George Kittle, George Kittle. What's the status? That that's that's the bulk of the question. Next in line would probably be <clears throat> this team's chances on making it back to the Super Bowl. And then the third most popular topic I get is always about Debo Samuel. And I feel like he kind of took the league by storm. And when I say that, I I mean that I, I see a lot of coaches reference what he is in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Um, for the people that don't know, uh, Debo suffered a stress fracture in his foot this offseason and, you know, slated to potentially miss 12 to 16 weeks. That time might bleed into the beginning of the season. But you look at the 49ers wide receivers, you have Debo, who the 49ers might be without for a little bit of time. They had they lost Emmanuel Sanders in free agency. Uh, so everyone's wondering, well, who steps up? So I'm going to toss this to you, Steve, from Vic Davis from Atlanta, Georgia, wants to know, who do you see that could potentially have a bigger impact this year? Uh, Jalen Hurd or 49ers first round pick Brandon Ayuk, which Hurd's that big bodied receiver that we saw what he did. In our, it was a very limited sample size, but we saw what he did in that preseason game with the against the Dallas Cowboys big body guy scored two touchdowns but then you got a guy like Brandon Ayuk who gets those yards after the catch who Kyle Shanahan that's his type of receiver he loves those kind of guys but I'm gonna leave this in your hands who do you see could have a bigger impact this year I'm going off the grid uh as a player I really liked and he showed up at times last year he wasn't the main target because of Debo and Emmanuel but I think Kendrick Bourne Wow. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why he's not so much in the conversation because he's a nice player. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he's somebody because of his experience in the system is probably going to jump out a little bit more early. Um, so let's leave that there. But then you talk about Brandon Ayuk, and, and you nailed it. And heard big receivers. Kyle loves them. Think of Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu, some of the things he did in Atlanta. These are the types of receivers that tend to show up. So I would probably say Hurd at the outset just because he knows uh, what the Niners are trying to do. He knows the expectations. Because um, remember, Debo got better as the season went along, and he really stood out once Emmanuel Sanders got there and showed him how to practice and showed him how to do the extra work. And Kyle really found ways with Debo not to just throw him the ball. Remember, so much of the yards. Think of the Super Bowl. It seems like he was he got more carries – just about any other running back early on. So that's what we saw in the, in the postseason. Um, I think Debo's role, once he gets back, will expand as a receiver. But uh, keep an eye on Kendrick Bourne, man. I, I really liked him last year. He's a smaller guy, but I think he's somebody who could flash early, um, especially with that run action setting things up. That's that. I, I'm glad you said that. I mean, everyone. Of course, it's natural you want to be excited about some of the new pieces that you bring to the team, and and we got a flash of Jalen Hurd, and and we saw his size. So we're like, oh, when when he comes back, what is he going to do for the team? What can he bring? You see this new guy, Brandon Ayuk, and and you automatically think, oh, this must be the replacement for Emmanuel Sanders, but. Uh, Kendrick Bourne, definitely a guy that you cannot overlook, actually tied uh, George on the team with the most touchdowns uh, on the team last season and definitely one of uh, Jimmy's red zone targets. There was some stat on that. I can't remember it off the back of my hand. I wish I did. But uh, definitely, I'm glad you brought him up. Uh, Definitely somebody you cannot overlook. Um, Heading into camp. So we've talked about guys who are using the Super Bowl loss as fuel. 
and you see everywhere people are talking about Super Bowl hangover, you know, is that a real thing? So I'm going to, I'm going to leave this with Patrick Cornoyer from Montreal, Quebec. Uh, he wants to know, how do you see this team bouncing back? And when I say that, when I phrase his question, now I'm looking at the 49ers coaching staff. I'm looking at their players. I'm looking at the roster. I'm looking at continuity, familiarity, talent, all of these different attributes. In your eyes, Steve, does this team have a recipe to bounce back? And and also, this is also looking at some of that talent in the NFC. I, I don't want to overlook the talent on the Saints, the talent on the Bucks. So there's a couple of teams I could also name, but tossing that over to you. What's your thought on this Super Bowl hangover, what the 49ers have in bringing that into 2020? Well, I'll tell you what, the one thing that works in their favor, as crazy as it may sound, has been this pandemic. Because mm-hmm. typically teams with the, the, the Super Bowl loss hangover, right? That's where they lose four or five key players because of free agency or whatnot. So that really didn't happen other than Emmanuel Sanders. And then you had the retirement of uh, Joe Staley. But you get Trent Williams, who's a freaking great player. Um, you add some of these players. You lose DeForest Buckner, but you get Ken Law in the draft. But what the pandemic did is guys aren't out writing books. Guys aren't out doing television shows or making a bunch of commercials because those things just didn't happen. So they've had all of these months in solitary confinement, so to speak, to get their heads right. So so that part of it is gone. What's going to be the challenge for them? Think about how they started last year. They played a lot of teams early on whose quarterbacks were hurt or ended up not being very good. So they had that slow burn into success and momentum and believing in themselves. They cannot start off slow because the NFC is going to be loaded. You, you've got to have everybody kind of keep their mental, their mental intact because um, teams are coming. It's, it's true. No matter what you say, every game, they are the benchmark for teams to come to try to smack them. You better believe – Seahawks and everybody are, are going to try to come and get them. Talent-wise, there might not be a team more loaded than the 49ers on both sides of the ball. Same with the coaching staff. But they have got to be so mentally focused, and they have to stay healthy. Remember, they did not have a lot of injuries on their offensive or defensive line last year. That also is key. At the key positions, they have got to stay healthy. Other than that, there's no reason why the Niners cannot – uh, get back into the playoffs, and then that's where things get tricky because there will be that hot team, whether it's the Vikings, whether it's, uh, you know, the Falcons, you know, a team I think is super talented that nobody's talking about. Um, there will be that hot team that we're not thinking of, and and they've just got to be whatever edge they have. They've got to bring it every week because there will be no relief. That's exactly what Kyle Juszczyk was saying. He, he spoke with the media and – and his thing was that he feels like there's an advantage for the 49ers, one, that and, – and he said there's – you can't really pull out positives of a pandemic, but he said that the fact that this team played into February, they played longer than maybe some of the other teams, but he sees that as a benefit heading into the season. They didn't have, like you said, that time to make these TV appearances, and, and as soon as they finished playing, they had a month to kind of get over it, get over the loss, flush it, and then their focus immediately had to go into this upcoming season. You talk about the 49ers have to start fast. I had to pull up their schedule starting off with the Cardinals. You you've got your your first your first look at DeAndre Hopkins. 
uh, with the Cardinals. Then you're following up in New York with the Jets, the Giants, the Eagles. Uh, so totally on board with that, with what you said. 49ers have to start off fast, got to start off hot uh, heading into the 2020 season. This podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, the official below-the-waist grooming partner of the 49ers. Try Manscaped and get 20% off and free shipping with code 49ers at manscaped.com. That's code 49ers for 20% off at manscaped.com. Steve, I, I like to call you a friend of the franchise. And I say that because you've been there in, during past training camps covering the team with NFL Network. I know you've been there in season. And I've had conversations with you before. But more recently, you moderated a, a player-ran discussion with guys from the 49ers subject to change. Uh, there's been a few episodes so far. You've had guys on like Jimmy Garoppolo, Richard Sherman, uh, Robbie Gold, Kyle Juszczyk, uh, uh, Eric Armstead, a host of other guys. And you're talking about race. You're talking about social injustices in America. And the guys are using their own platforms to help evoke change. So with that being that you've been in on these conversations, you've been moderating, you've been listening, what's been your takeaway so far from this project? Uh, hearing from the guys, their stories, but also their ability to listen and learn from one another. Yeah, look, there's a reason why the 49ers were successful and will continue to be successful. And part of that is they've got smart players. You know, the, you, you don't win with stupid. And so you've got a bunch of highly educated guys, the Fred Warners of the world, Kwan Williams, um, and, and D Ford. Um, you know, the one thing that they talked about that they're really pushing, and I know the NFL is behind it, but the Niners were out ahead before the NFL even decided to jump in on this, is, is registering to vote and educating people to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's going to be hard to do in person because of the pandemic, but they just feel when they look at the numbers that so few people took part in the process. You know, I think Fred Warner said he's never voted before. Kyle Juszczyk said this will be his first time voting. And just to, you know, the pandemic has allowed guys to kind of sit back and see where they want to make changes from be it the presidential uh, election to your local district attorneys, who are the people who hold um, dirty cops, either accountable or non-accountable. So, I mean, that that is the big initiative. And just the depth and the courage some of these guys are showing. So Kyle Juszczyk told a story where he was home in Ohio and a lot of his family were like really, really critical of, of players and Colin Kaepernick for not standing during the national anthem and this and that. And he said he sat there for a long time and said, put yourself in their shoes. Let's kind of do this exercise and put yourself in their shoes. It's something we can never experience, you know, as a white family, but you know, just imagine you get pulled over and you're thinking, okay, I'm just going to get a ticket. Next thing you know, you've got four guns on you um, just because to somebody you, you seem like a threat. And, and he said by the time, you know, they ended that conversation, just some of the opening of thought that he was able to generate, you know, among family members was really, you know, moving to him. He doesn't know if he, he changed their overall perspective for that time frame. They open their thought process and open their minds. And, you know, that's something he hopes that, that players using their platforms and their celebrity and their wisdom uh, could get more and more people to try to do, regardless of which side of the aisle or which side of the law they, they believe in. Yeah. After the George Floyd murder, uh, Kyle Shanahan spoke with media and and he was very emotional and, and rightfully upset. But he said if you could just see how our guys interact and he's referring to the 49ers team and the 49ers locker room. And there's so many different backgrounds. There's so many different religions and beliefs. And 
but everybody respects one another. And it, I, I, I would want to say just being in-house that I feel like that's a testament to the locker room. I know you might not be there in-house every single day, but through your lens, through uh, your conversations with the guys uh, during these talks, during just any talks when you're, you're physically there or whatever the case might be, have you been able to pick up on maybe that camaraderie amongst this locker room or, or your conversations with these guys about the culture that Kyle and John are building in San Francisco? 100%. I mean, and to me, the biggest example is last year when they traded for Emmanuel Sanders. Okay, the team was already winning ball games. Things were, were kind of flowing. And instead of players saying, okay, here's a veteran guy who's coming in here to, to show himself for a new contract, they were like, let's welcome him. Let's get him acclimated. And let's give him his voice. Like the younger players, like a Debo Samuel or, or Samuel or Kendrick Bourne, they were willing to watch him and, and learn from him. And so that is an unselfish perspective, right? And you have all of these defensive linemen who are first-round draft picks um, who are driven by arguably the best defensive line coach in the NFL and Chris Kasarek. And instead of them saying, hey, I need to get 10 sacks, I need to get my nine, this and that, they all worked in unison so all of them can shine. And as a result, all of them looked good. So the fact that they all understood that and, and got it, you know, or the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo can throw for a hundred, you know, just a hundred yards or fewer in a playoff game and everybody's great with how they did it. And nobody's complaining because they didn't get a certain number of touches. That's where you have a mature team. That is where you understand the mission. Part of that is the communication they get from Kyle and John on a constant but the other part of it is you've got an owner in Jed York and the York family who are always staying in touch with their players and showing them how much they care for their for their families and, and everything else. And when it starts at the top, that means everything. And that's why you see some organizations that continually win and some that are on a hamster wheel of mediocrity at best. I, I've never heard it said like that, but that was a perfect way to finish off the 49ers You've Got Mail podcast sponsored by Manscaped. Steve, absolute pleasure having you. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this, I, I'm going to put this on record so everybody can hear you say this. You're going to join us for our live look-ins at 49ers training camp, right? Let's hope so. I plan on being there. Got to get, got to get a look at the, uh, you know, the NFC representatives. See if they can repeat. Exactly. I will. I will be there. I will be there. If I'm there, you got me. Perfect deal. You guys heard that right here. You can follow Steve on Twitter at Weish89. Uh, Steve, again, absolute pleasure. Uh, enjoy your weekend and uh, get ready for some 49ers football. Can't wait to see you in Santa Clara. Thanks so much, Kiana. You too.